0: Good morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have one cousin on my dad's side of the family. uh, That's my age. And when I was growing up, we'd play a lot in my uh, grandmother's house. Uh, My grandfather died when I was very young, but he had a workshop in their backyard that my cousin and I could play in, which is really remarkable that my grandparents let us do that because we would be out there with table saws and all kinds of things at like six years old. Um, Either way, At some point, we'd always end up fighting, the two of us, and uh, we always knew it was better to just try to get over it ourselves because our grandmother, uh, if she saw us fighting, she had a rule that if one of us got into trouble, we both got into trouble. And she would make us go into the yard and pick switches, but not for ourselves. We would have to pick them for each other. Uh, So she had a way of reinforcing responsibility for us. No one likes taking responsibility for their mistakes. And at the root of it, it's because we're ashamed when when we mess up, because we know it's wrong, and it's embarrassing to be caught doing something that we know is wrong. And so a lot of times, we try to shift the blame to someone or to something else. Someone else did this. Something that someone else did made me do this. uh, The circumstances, you know, whatever we can come up with. Even in Genesis, Adam and Eve do this, right? Eve eats the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil first, and then she gives it to Adam, who eats it as well. But when God questions Adam why he did that, Adam blames Eve and says that she's the one that gave it to him. So he tries to push off this responsibility and pretend like he didn't really have a choice in the situation. On the surface today, Jesus is addressing uh, a reality in the Gospels of the Hebrew laws regarding ritually acceptable foods to eat. If you're in my class, we've been talking about this a lot. If the laws of the Old Covenant prevented Jews from eating certain foods like shellfish or pork, any hoofed animal. And Jesus is underscoring here that, that really these foods aren't wrong. There's an interior disposition that causes people to sin. It's what comes from within that defiles, says the Lord. But on a deeper spiritual level, we can see that Jesus is also teaching a lesson about responsibility. All of us struggle with temptations, right? And each of us have some particular temptation that we probably struggle with the most. And those temptations can be incredibly powerful. But regardless of how strong our temptations are, we are still responsible for our actions. Sometimes we give the devil too much credit. People say things like, the devil made me do it. Well, no, he didn't, right? The devil isn't God. He has no superpower over you. He can't make you do anything. So at the end of the day, we are responsible if we give in to our temptations or not. The church uses the language of vice and virtue. And I've mentioned this to you uh, you before. Virtues are what we say are good operative habits. That means they're good habits that we start to do naturally because we're so accustomed to doing things that way. Vice is the opposite. Vice is a habit of sin that we start to fall in consistently because we're so used to doing things that way. Now, the more consistently we consent to a temptation, the more attached we become to that vice, and therefore the stronger the temptation will become. It isn't that we're being controlled by something outside of us, like the devil, but that within us, within our heart, we have conditioned ourselves to repeatedly consent to sin, and so we stop thinking before we act. And naturally, that leads us into greater sins eventually. That's the pattern that we see with all addiction, right? And that's really what vice is. It's an addiction to sin. So you start small. You give in to a temptation in a small way that seems unnoticeable. And you tell yourself, well, I can control this. I'm making this choice. And then you give in to the same temptation, right? But only slightly more because what you did before was small and nothing bad happened. So you can go a little bit more of this time. Only if you do that over several months, what you originally understood as giving in in small ways now means something totally different. Now, you didn't notice that change, of course, because in your mind, you're still in control. But the reality is that what you're excusing yourself of now would have horrified you to consider doing months before. And it just gets worse, right? And that's how every addiction is. That's what the Lord means when he says it is what comes out of a man that defiles him. When we take no responsibility for our actions, and most especially when we don't hold ourselves responsible, we harm our conscience by weakening it until we no longer notice the real difference between good and evil. Again, it isn't that we're being forced to do wrong, but that our repeated decision to choose wrong has weakened our ability to discern what is right. Our conscience becomes defiled, to use the words of Christ. So there are three ways to protect yourself against this. The first is to acquaint ourselves with the difference between right and wrong. Now that may sound silly, but we actually have to teach ourselves what's wrong sometimes. We should read scripture. We should find out what the church teaches us about some moral question. Better yet, we should find out why the church teaches what it does. Learning to answer that kind of question will help you better discern the difference between right and wrong, right? If we only see good and evil as this long list of rules, then we can't really live a moral life. We have to understand the why to things. We have to understand what it is about some things that make them wrong. So read the Bible, learn the catechism, ask people you trust, pray that God will show you the choices you should make. The second difference, or the the second defense is to surround yourself with people who are trying to live a good life. If all your friends don't care about being good Christians, then you're probably not going to be a good Christian yourself. I tell people they should surround themselves with winners. That works in the business world, because when all your friends are people who are pushing for success, then you're probably going to be successful as well in the business world. The same is true in the moral life. If all your friends are trying hard to be good men and women, if they're calling each other out when they screw up, if they're supporting each other when they're struggling with temptations, then it's almost impossible for you to end up being morally a bad person. But if all your friends care about is having fun, if they don't ever really give a thought to what's right and what is wrong, if it doesn't matter to them uh, how they should be, if they want to be a good person, then you're probably going to end up being dragged down with them. So people with winners for friends win. And people who pick to spend their time with losers will lose as well. Three, avoid the near occasion of sin. This sort of goes along with the previous recommendation, right? If you tend to always make bad decisions in the company of certain people, then you probably need to cut those people out of your life. But the near occasion of sin can be other things. If you tend to do something stupid in the same environment, or the same place, or the same occasion, then the smart thing is to avoid that environment, or that place, or that occasion. It doesn't matter how much you read about poisonous snakes, or how much you think you know about them, or how quick you think your reflexes are, if you put yourself in a room with a bunch of poisonous snakes, and you just sit there, you're probably going to get bitten, even without trying. Why keep putting yourself in situations where you always fail? It's just dumb. Stop doing it. The definition of insanity is to do the same thing and expect a different result. Bottom line, if you want to be a good Christian, then you have to take responsibility for your own decisions. No one is going to do it for you. Just like no one can force you to make the wrong choice. In the end, it's always you. It's always you who have to want it and then have to try to do what is right. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.